During the season of Lent, we'll be uh, reflecting together on um, the Lord's prayers taught in Matthew uh, chapter 6, as Jesus taught his disciples. Uh, it's in Matthew 6, and we'll be reading together this morning verses 5 through 15. And I owe uh, thanks to Daryl Johnson for his insights on the Lord's prayer. Matthew 6, verses 5 to 15. We read this in the spirit of uh, the prayer we just prayed, that God would speak to us and that our hearts and minds and lives would be fashioned in His way. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You send a letter to the President of the United States, it passes through the Office of Presidential Correspondence. This office deals with all the mail, email, parcels addressed to the President. President McKinley founded this office in 1897, and at the time a staff of 12 dealt with the hundred letters a day that were received. However, by the time Herbert Hoover became President, the number grew to about 800 letters a day. And when FDR announced his new deal, the number ballooned to 8,000 per day. The staff needed to to process the letters also grew. During the first year of the Obama administration, the number of letters, parcels, emails had grown to the tens of thousands per day. Many of the letters started with this phrase, I know no one will read this. Out of all these letters... President Obama specifically requested to receive 10 letters to read every night. Fiona Reeves, the director of presidential correspondence for the Obama administration, had a group of 45 staffers, 35 interns, and 300 rotating volunteers who read the thousands of letters sent to the president. First, the letters were opened and inspected by the Secret Service, and then the staff, interns, and volunteers would dig through these letters and emails to figure out which ones to pass along to Reeves. And then she personally read about 300 letters a day so that she could choose the 10 letters to be included in President Obama's nightly briefing book. Thankfully, communicating with God is not nearly as arduous. We take our cue from Jesus. Jesus led a life of prayer. Prayer was as natural to him as breathing. He made prayer a part of his everyday life. In fact, prayer was such a big part of his life, the disciples asked, teach us to pray. The disciples wanted to become prayer apprentices. They wanted to learn about prayer at the feet of Jesus. 
The person with the most intimate relationship with God the Father teaches us to pray. Jesus connects us to our Father in heaven, using as a model the words we know as the Lord's Prayer. These words have been prayed in the Christian community for nearly 2,000 years. It's the kind of prayer the Heidelberg Catechism has in mind when it asks, what's the kind of prayer that pleases God and that he listens to? Let's respond together. First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God revealed to us in his word, asking for everything God has commanded us to ask for. Second, we must fully recognize our need and misery so that we humble ourselves in God's majestic presence. Third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That is what God promises us in His Word. As we launch into this Lenten season, we will reflect on the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. We'll discover the depth of this prayer, finding in it the petitions of the prayer that please God. German theologian Helmut Thielicke called this the prayer that spans the world. Daryl Johnson calls it 57 words that change the world. That is 57 in Greek, about 65 in English. As we explore this prayer in our Lenten journey, we'll walk where Christian saints have walked for centuries. We'll walk on holy ground. First, let's notice some things about the prayer as a whole. Notice the center line of the prayer. On earth as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer invites us to rattle heaven's door. We pray that God would bring the reality of heaven down to earth. Of course, the reason that Jesus became human was for God to bring his reality to earth. And so we're praying that God would carry on in this vein. In the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah, we read, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. Our prayer is, God, keep invading our earth. We want God to make a difference in our lives, our neighborhoods, our churches, our places of business, our schools, our marriages, on earth. That is everything on this blue planet. When we pray, we petition God to keep doing His work. We implore God to make earth like heaven, to fill the earth with all that is right and fair. Jesus teaches us that this prayer is one way that we're privileged to partner with our God. Our God of almighty power invites us to offer a prayer that could alter everything on earth. This is why prayer is such hard work. Prayer isn't about getting God to do your bidding. It's about you bidding God to do his work so that we can receive God's grace. C.S. Lewis once commented on prayer, it's like digging ditches. 
It seems like hard, mundane, and even useless work until the water of the Spirit flows. And then our faithful prayers provide channels to capture the rich experience of God's grace. Or else they will roll off our hardened, prayerless hearts. The center of the Lord's prayer is on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father, hallow your name on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father, give us bread, forgive our sins, deliver us from evil on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father, rend the heavens and fill this earth with the reality of your heaven, your character, your purpose, your providence, your forgiveness, your protection. And the Lord's Prayer orients our lives around God. We concentrate on what God is up to and we place ourselves into that picture. Notice the flow. The first petitions emphasize your, your, your. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In these early words, we capture the spirit of Psalm 84. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. We begin with God. We want God. We want to be in God's presence. We want God to be evident in all of His holiness. And we want God's agenda to be done. Jesus places the agenda of our needs in the context of a bigger perspective. We want God to get done what God needs to get done. And what God desires takes preeminence. Someone once said, the question is not whether God is with us, but whether we are with God. Our real need is to be with God. So we begin praying, your, your, your. And then once God's place has been established in our prayer, we can move on to pray, us, us, us. Give us our. Forgive us our. As we forgive our debtors. Do not bring us, but rescue us. Our needs find their rightful place in the context of what God does first. Psalm 84 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. We make our petitions to God because God is our strength. The strength we need to move through life being the people God wants us to be. In everything. The Lord's Prayer guides us to include everything in prayer. The Heidelberg Catechism asks, What did God command us to pray for? We say together, everything we need, spiritually and physically, as embraced in the prayer Christ our Lord himself taught us. The Lord's Prayer is inclusive. It's comprehensive. God isn't just concerned about church stuff. God's reach extends beyond these walls into every arena of life. The scope of the Lord's Prayer includes all we need, past, present, and future. It calls upon God to forgive our past, to feed our present, and to protect us into the future. Psalm 84 says, Even the sparrow has found a home, a place near your altar. God looks after the sparrows. Certainly, God will look after us. 
And not just us. Jesus expands our world with this prayer. We're able to move beyond our self-interested prayers. We pray for what God knows our world needs. Justice in the streets. Food for the hungry. Defense against the evil one. Grace to forgive others. In this one short prayer, Jesus captures the entire scope of our lives. He teaches us to pray for all we need to be God's faithful children on this earth. And he instructs us to boldly pray to God. The verbs of the Lord's Prayer are in the imperative. The imperative mood is used for commands. We pray these commands to God. Hallow, come, be done, give, forgive, lead. Understandably, the imperative mood is never used in Jesus' day to speak with a superior Who would command their boss to do something? But it's precisely the way Jesus teaches his disciples to pray for the God of the universe. We can speak boldly to the Father in prayer because Jesus teaches us to do so. We use words of command to speak to the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. But before we get carried away with any sense or thoughts of our power, despite the imperative... All of these commands in the prayer are softened by the use of the passive voice, which means that we command God to do the things that only God can do. See, Jesus isn't telling us to pray something that we can do, as if we're the ones responsible for making God's name holy or doing God's will or forgiving others' debts. Only God can do these things. So we want to be involved with God. But we're not the chief actors. We pray for God to do His work. Father, You do it. Father, You make Your name holy. You bring Your kingdom. You give bread. You forgive. You deliver. Because only You, Father, can do these things. And finally, the overall spirit of the prayer is one of gratitude. Only God can bring these good things into our lives. And that's why the Heidelberg Catechism points toward gratitude as the primary reason for praying. Because only God can do what we pray for. Prayer is the greatest expression of our thanksgiving. Why do Christians need to pray? And we say together. Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. And also because God gives His grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking God for them. We don't pray to inform God. We don't pray to urge God. Our prayers are not meant to move a reluctant God. Our prayers are the essential part of our gratitude to a God who wants to act on our behalf. The Lord's Prayer instructs us to pray as the most important part of our thankfulness to God. And this prayer Jesus taught begins with God. The first line of the Lord's Prayer addresses God. We start by fixing our hearts and minds on God. We orient our whole world, everything, physical, spiritual, emotional, about our lives around God. Our 
Father in heaven. You know, so often we pray because we're in a jam. Something in our lives is messed up and we want God to help. Or maybe we face some pressing need. There's something we're uh, desperate for and we're asking God to supply our need. Well, God isn't around just to mop up our mess God isn't some kind of a cosmic vending machine. Jesus doesn't start the prayer with our messes and our wants. He prays starting with our Father. We'll get to pray about our messes and wants, but we start from a new place, a right place. We start our prayer with our Father in heaven. Our Father See, we begin by acknowledging our intimacy with God. We don't pray to someone unfamiliar to us, to whom it may concern. We don't pray like it's a business relationship. Dear sir, now we acknowledge our personal relationship. Our Father. God has chosen to be known to us and known by us. God came near to us in Jesus Christ so that we would come near to God our Father in prayer. God loves us more than spending time, loves nothing more than spending time with us. Psalm 84 says to us, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. There is immeasurable value in spending just a moment in God's presence. The Lord's Prayer is not just an intimacy of one. It's a communal intimacy. When we pray, we join all our brothers and sisters, past and present, here and across the world. We don't pray to my Father. We pray our Father. The Lord is King not just of me, but of us all. He's the King of the world. All of us can turn to God in prayer and know that we will be heard. God doesn't have time only for big names like Pope Francis or Billy Graham. God doesn't only listen to the prayers of pastors. God hears the prayers of all because God is our Father. Our Father. We direct our loving prayers to a loving Father. Sometimes that's a new idea to people. Some have never known a loving Father. But Jesus wants us to know that God is faithful and loving. Our Father on earth may not have been the most responsive, but that's not the way of our Father in heaven. Our God is not hostile to us. We pray to a Father who wants what is best. Our prayer isn't persuading or manipulating a taskmaster or an indifferent ruler or a stingy boss. Our prayer is to our Father who loves us. How do we know what God is like? Well, Jesus tells us. He tells us that anyone who has seen the Father, who has seen Jesus, has seen the Father. Jesus is just like the Father. Jesus, the one who invited children to come to Him, invites us to pray by climbing into the lap of a parent who loves us and can be trusted to provide for us. The Heidelberg Catechism points out why we pray to God our Father. It says, why did Christ command us to call God our Father? And we say together, to awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer 
which should be basic to our prayer, a childlike reverence and trust that through Christ God has become our Father, and that just as our parents do not refuse us the things of this life, even less will God our Father refuse to give us what we ask in faith. When we pray as children to our Father, we realize our place in life. Teaches, Jesus teaches us to, to pray this way to help us realize that we are apprentices to God's way. Praying our Father personally challenges us to live His way in this world. When we pray to our Father, we identify ourselves as God's own people. By these words, we state that our desire is to be God's children. And as God's children, we're empowered to step out into the world of pain and darkness. We can boldly pursue God in God's world because we are God's children. Psalm 84 reminds us, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength. We can face any challenge in our world because we're sustained by praying. Our Father. Our Father in heaven. Here's the reason why prayer works. We pray, Father, because God loves to respond to His children. We pray in heaven because God's able to do what we ask. In heaven doesn't mean that, that God is far removed from our life. In heaven doesn't mean that God is distant, that God is unreachable. God doesn't have an answering service. Thank you for calling our Father's house. He's away from his desk at the moment. Please select one of the following options. Press 1 for requests. Press 2 for thanksgiving. Press 3 for complaints. And for all other inquiries, press 4. No, our Father in heaven means God has the power to respond. Whatever catechism helps us understand. Why the words in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty as something earthly and to expect everything needed for body and soul from God's almighty power. Everything needed for body and soul from God's almighty power right here on earth. God is both good and great, and He has the might to deliver everything we need for body and soul. As John Calvin once said, whenever we engage in prayer, there are two things to be considered, both that we may have access to God and that we may rely on Him with full and unshaken confidence. His fatherly love toward us and His boundless power. See, our prayer journey starts with our Father in heaven. The Lord's Prayer is meant to guide us into intimacy with God. As we pray to our Father in heaven, we can let the Lord's Prayer shape our prayer life. So here's some prayer exercises you might want to try to take up during Lent. Perhaps you could pray a clause of the prayer at a time and let the specific things you pray for find a place within each clause. You could pray, give us this day our daily bread, and then pray for those that you know who need healing or thanks for those who have received healing. You might pray, your kingdom come, 
And in that time, pray for peace between a place like Israel and Palestine. Or you might pray in that time for the nation of Venezuela. Or another exercise you could try would be to pray each phrase of the prayer slowly, again and again, kind of in the the rhythm of your breathing. So if you lead a really busy life, this may be a calming and nourishing medicine for you. You could do it in the car. It works really well. You just leave the music off and you pray in this way. Just slowly repeating the prayer a number of times. Keep praying it as you make your way home. Or another exercise is you could let one clause of the prayer guide your daily prayers. On Sunday, it could be our Father in heaven. Monday could be hallowed be your name. Tuesday, your kingdom come, your will be done. Wednesday, give us today our daily bread. Thursday, forgive us our debts. Friday, deliver us from evil. Saturday, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. So that as you walk through each day of the week, the prayer clause for the day could be the lens through which you view your comings and your goings, your doings and your workings and the people that you meet. Jesus teaches us to begin our prayer with God. Prayer starts here. Our Father in heaven. God wants to hear from us. Our Father wants to do for us what only God can do. Our prayers show our great thankfulness for all God is, for all that God has done, and for all that God can do. Our Father is God Almighty, the only one who can transform the world until all things are on earth as they are in heaven. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, what a special privilege it is for us to be able to address you in prayer. Our Father in heaven, shape us, mold us, form us, teach us, so that we will be your children of prayer. Our Father in heaven, do only what you can do, and do it for us here on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.